Heart Journal, Case Reports 2021. I'm Sophia Katak, Podcast Editor. Today I'll be talking about Case Report by Anna Louise Watson, Gregory Rice, Tony Yuvo and Nadara Kangahara. Titled Prosthetic Valve Endocarditis Presenting as Meningoencephalitis Complicated by Pseudoaneurysms in a Remote Aboriginal Healthcare Setting in Australia, a case report. Prosthetic valve infective endocarditis is an endovascular microbial infection that occurs on a valve prosthesis or a reconstructed native heart valve. Prosthetic endocarditis, if untreated, is associated with poor outcomes. In young patients, aortic valve surgery is commonly due to complications of a bicuspid aortic valve. Other congenital heart diseases or acquired abnormalities such as rheumatic fever may also present but are less common. This case is of a young patient from a northern territory of Australia with a high prevalence of rheumatic heart disease which affects 2% of the population and with a 2.6 times higher frequency of congenital heart disease, more commonly bicuspid aortic valve. 31-year-old female from a remote community in Northern Territory of Australia was referred with one-week history of headaches, fever, confusion and seizures. She had known bicuspid aortic valve which was diagnosed at age 15 and required surgery for severe stenosis and regurgitation, as well as replacement of the ascending aorta for a 4.7cm aneurysm at the age of 27. At the time, she underwent bioprosthetic AVR with 21mm Sanjeev medical epic valve and the replacement of ascending aorta with 20mm Dacron graft. She also had a dual chamber pacemaker implanted postoperatively for complete heart block. Her other comorbidities included type 2 diabetes, hypertension and smoking. She had a poor adherence to her regular medications including metformin, bisoprolol and aspirin. There was no history of intravenous drug use. On examination at presentation, she was hypertensive with a systolic blood pressure of 82 millimeters of mercury with a normal pulse of 80 beats per minute. She had normal oxygen saturations of 100% on room air and a respiratory rate of 22. She was pyrexial with a temperature of 40.1 degrees Celsius. Her GCS was 14 from confusion. Otherwise, there was no peripheral stigmata of infective endocarditis. She was fluid resuscitated, started on vasopressor support to improve blood pressure and also antibiotics prior to transfer to a tertiary hospital by aeromedical transfer. Blood tests revealed normocytic anemia with HB of 113 and a raised inflammatory marker with CRP of 320, but normal white cell count. Lumbar puncture was performed and the results suggested bacterial meningitis with neutrophilic pleocytosis. Gram stain and cultures were negative. A CT was performed which revealed multi-organ septic emboli in the brain, kidney and radial artery. The patient was admitted to the intensive care unit where she received treatment for septic shock. Initially, she was treated with antibiotics including IV flucloxacillin 2 grams 4 times a day to cover staphylococcus growth in the blood cultures. She also received blood transfusion for HB of 64 grams per litre and diuretics for biventricular heart failure. In ITU, she had an echocardiogram which revealed a small, less than 0.5 cm mobile echo density on the bioprosthetic AVR consistent with the vegetation. On day 6, MRI brain confirmed further multiple cerebral infarcts and associated meningeal enhancement. At this stage, her case was discussed in the MDT and it was decided to manage non-surgically. However, on day 13, CT brain showed an evolving left frontal cerebral abscess of 10 by 40 by 20 millimeters, which required neurosurgical drainage. The cultures of this abscess also grew staphylococcus aureus. 
Oral rifampicin was added to IV flucloxacillin, but unfortunately there were interruptions to the antibiotics regime on several occasions due to discharge against medical advice. She had routine echocardiograms to monitor the aortic valve vegetation. On day 45, a follow-up transthoracic echo revealed a new paravalvular aortic incompetence and features suggesting pseudoaneurysms of the aortic root. This was confirmed on transesophageal echo as well as CT of the coronary arteries. On day 56, she underwent cardiac surgery where she had the previous aortic valve bioprosthesis and pacemaker explanted and debridement and patch reconstruction of the aortic valve root with decellularized bovine pericardium, AVR using a 19mm Edwards Life Sciences Inspirus Resilia bioprosthesis and replacement of the ascending aorta and hemi-arch. A new dual-chamber pacemaker was inserted six days post-surgery. Transesophageal echo post-procedure revealed a residual pseudoaneurysm, but it was decided to monitor this with consideration of percutaneous treatment in the near future. Although it was planned for the patient to receive six weeks of IV flucloxacillin and oral rifampicin after surgery, but this was shortened by 11 days due to self-discharge. On follow-up a month later, she remained clinically well. She was started on high-dose oral dicloxacillin and rifampicin. Two months post-operatively, she had FDG PET, which did not show uptake suggesting infection. CT of the coronary arteries showed two pseudoaneurysms, but after rediscussion in the MDT, it was decided to manage conservatively owing to the anatomy not suitable for percutaneous closure and further surgery deemed too high risk. The high-dose antibiotics were stopped at this stage. Further scans at two and four months post-surgery showed stable-sized two pseudoaneurysms and a normal bioprosthetic valve function. It was advised for the patient to have two to six months clinical reviews with repeat imaging, but unfortunately the follow-ups have been inconsistent. Prosthetic valve infective endocarditis accounts for 20% of all cases of infective endocarditis and has a high morbidity and mortality rates if untreated. The indications for reoperation in prosthetic valve infective endocarditis are similar to that in native valve endocarditis, such as large, greater than 10 mm vegetation, thrombotic events, regurgitation with signs of heart failure, persistent sepsis, abscess or extension of abscess despite antibiotic therapy. The patient in this case report had a few of these features mentioned, but given the complexity and the risk involved in the procedure, especially from the brain abscess drainage increasing the risk of neurological complications, redo surgery was initially not performed. Appropriate antibiotic therapy is pertinent in management of infective endocarditis. The duration of treatment for prosthetic valve endocarditis is usually longer than for native valve infective endocarditis. Unfortunately, this patient developed both cerebral and mycotic root abscess despite appropriate antibiotic therapy, partly also resulting from interrupted course. Furthermore, it was planned for the patient to have a six-week antibiotic course post-surgery. This was also difficult to adhere to because of early discharge against medical advice. Aortic pseudoaneurysms are rare, but potentially fatal complications of cardiac surgery for aortic valve and aortic disease. If left untreated, it has a risk of rupture, thrombosis resulting in embolization, as well as compression of the surrounding structures. They can be treated either percutaneously or surgically. Surgical repair has a high risk of mortality, mainly related to the consequences of redo surgery. Percutaneous treatment is minimally invasive but can only be performed with appropriate anatomy. The options for percutaneous treatment include endovascular coils, occluded devices such as the devices used for atrial septal defect closure and vascular plugs. 
Although it was initially decided to percutaneously treat the pseudoaneurysms, she was managed conservatively due to unfavourable anatomy and stable appearance on repeat imaging. Mechanical valve prosthesis is usually considered in patients younger than 60 years of age for aortic valve. This is because of longer life of mechanical valves to avoid redo valve surgery. However, there are situations where prosthetic valve may be considered in younger patients. Mechanical valves require long-term anticoagulation, and if compliance is a problem and good quality anticoagulation may be unlikely, a bioprosthesis is recommended according to the ESC. The patient in this case report had poor compliance to her regular medications, and poor compliance with vitamin K antagonists can result in life-threatening conditions such as prosthetic valve thrombosis. Although from this case report it isn't clear whether pregnancy was discussed with this patient, according to the ESC, the valve prosthesis for a woman contemplating pregnancy is chosen in consultation with the pregnancy heart team, and a bioprosthesis should be considered in younger women contemplating pregnancy. This is level 2AC evidence according to the ESC. This case report highlights the difficulties faced in managing complex cases of prosthetic valve endocarditis in a young patient further complicated by suboptimal adherence to antibiotics and follow-up challenges due to geographical isolation and psychosocial dynamics. The author suggests the following learning points. The Australian Aboriginal population has a high burden of rheumatic and congenital heart disease, often requiring valvular surgery, which all predispose to infective endocarditis. Maintain a high suspicion for staphylococcus prosthetic valve endocarditis complications, and antimicrobial therapy alone may fail. Hence, individualised, multidisciplinary management plans are essential. Pseudoaneurysms are a potential fatal complication and can be anatomically challenging to correct. Thank you to the authors of this case report for highlighting this interesting case for us, and thank you for listening to European Heart Journal Case Reports podcast. References and original case reports are available online. Visit academic.oup.com forward slash EHJCR for other interesting case reports. Music is Computer by State Shirt.